episode of Money Lab. I'm your host, Matt. Always ask for middle names, Givenisi. And joining me is the founder of ListenMoneyMatters.com and the co-host of the Listen Money Matters podcast, Andrew Fiebert. How is business, my friend? Dude, it is good. That's good. I've been a little distracted. I want to hear how your business is doing. I recently switched. Uh, well, I guess, you know, this this gets recorded at different times, but I've, I'm moving. I'm, I'm trying to simplify the business in general. Mm-hmm. Just moving to more um, utilizing more apps and saving money. I'm always, look, every time, every month, I look at all my expenses and I see what can I cut or where can I save money or do I even use that thing anymore? Um, and the, the the one thing I've been having trouble with is, and I think we've, we've done an episode on this before of charging or, or, you know, about expenses and is it worth it? I have this weird thing about, um, deserving something you know i I feel the same way do you yes like i so um i have this you know i'm never worthy (laughs) no like my neither is my business like i i i uh do these youtube videos for some university and you know i bought this teleprompter that was a couple hundred bucks and that's been really good for making videos really easy but my lens is not that great for my camera and it's like it's kind of a bitch to set up, you know, all the equipment in my office and then have to tear it all down. And so I was like, well, you know, is there a way I can like connect everything to one stand and just bring the one stand out, mm-hmm. open it up and like, boom. And so, yeah, there was like I looked into a bunch of stuff and I found all the stuff and I was like, maybe fifteen hundred dollars in the equipment. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing YouTube videos. When but I grow up, when I get when older. I gr- yeah, right. It's like. Uh, you know, do I, am I allowed to get this? Mm. You know, am I, am I allowing myself to, to, to make, to spend this money? And for that, you have to call into the Susie Orman show. Yeah. I gotta be like, can I, can I afford this? Honey? No. (laughs) Denied. Is that what she does? Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, I've been, I, uh, bought a bunch of video equipment to not really amp up the quality, really just to make my life easier. Mm. That's the thing. Like it, Really, it's not going to improve the quality of the outcome, and that's why I felt like, Ugh, you know, I'm just making my, I'm just creating frictionless um, video production. Is that worth it? Well, I, don't know. I, I think saving your time is worth it because if you were worth at least five dollars an hour and you save an hour, that's like five dollars. Yeah, I know it's a lot, it's a lot of money. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what I've been wrestling with this week. It's just like, but otherwise, like things are good. I'm trying new software out. Um, kind of focusing most of my time on lasso, but between now and like when you know the babies come, and uh, yeah, it's uh oh, and Money Lab, like fucking completely like working on money. Oh, finally! I know, I know. you're so thick headed sometimes. I know. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. What does that mean? You know, I don't know yet, but <laughs> I have some ideas, and we'll we'll talk about that later. But yeah, that's that's what's uh, that's what's going on. Um, so. This episode is one of our favorite ones to do. We are answering five questions from Money Lab listeners. I don't know why I flubbed that one, but before we get started, this episode is brought to you by. 
Money Lab Pro. You've been asking for it, and I finally made it. Money Lab Pro is a membership where you can access every single one of my online business courses and chat with me and other like minded business owners in the members only Money Lab Pro community. You'll also get access to my SEO, monetization, and blogging video courses, my YouTube and podcast video tutorials, my lightning fast WordPress theme, and so much more. I did the math, and MoneyLab Pro includes over 155 over-the-shoulder video lessons and growing. Not to mention, it includes access to templates, processes, and spreadsheets that I use to run all my online businesses. And like I mentioned before, MoneyLab Pro also includes a members-only community where you can share your ideas and get expert feedback to help you earn more money with your online business. Go to moneylab.co slash pro right now to sign up. It's super affordable and there's no reason not to check it out. That's moneylab.co slash pro. All right, so we're answering your questions. Thanks to everyone who submitted a question over Twitter and email. You keep them coming because we, we love doing this type of episodes, like I mentioned. And so uh, let's just get into it. What do you think? Yeah, sounds right. good. So this one is from Lauren. Uh, from a small slash online business standpoint, I've been struggling with getting admin and BS business tasks outsourced. How do I get started over the hump of it would just be quicker if I do it approach? To getting someone ramped up and delegating stuff to them. It'll always be quicker if you do it. Always, always. Until you stop doing it. That's true. And let someone else get good at it. And then they will get better at it than you. Yep. Um, how did you... Well, I can tell you that... I mean, let's tell, let's share the story of uh, Candace. Yeah. Because that's the first person we hired. Uh, ever in my ever. life. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, the way that happened, so basically we were doing this podcast, Listen Money Matters, which is, mm -hmm. go listen to it, and we, I don't, it was pretty, I feel like it was pretty early on. Yeah, maybe we're doing it for months, small number amount. Yeah, but we had a fan, and she happened to live nearby, mm -hmm. and we met with her, and she wanted to write show notes for us because I don't know what we were doing prior to. I don't were even know not? if she said that she wanted to write show notes. I think that she just wanted to help. Oh, like wanted to she help. enjoyed the show and we were not getting many emails. So yeah. like we were like, ooh, this is cool. Like, and I think we're, we like schemed that maybe show notes could be something. Yeah. I don't I remember it was her idea or I, our idea. I don't, yeah, you're right. I don't remember that either. But either way, it was a really easy hire because it was just somebody who wanted to do a task that we didn't want to do, but we knew that we didn't know how fast she would be or whatever, but she just, she just wanted to do it. She was listening to every episode. So it was like a no brainer for her. Um, you know, it's also the idea, like it costs money to hire somebody else. Mm. And, um, I just think, I think the way that I kind of look at it is, if you, you know, yes, it'll be quicker if I write articles for some university because I know the topic and I can just kind of write without doing a lot of research. Um, but I hate doing it. And so if it's up to me, whether I can do it quicker or not, it probably won't get done because I just hate doing it. So I tend to outsource the things that I know should be done. But if it's up to me, like it will it will probably not get done. And so it's not about the matter of doing it faster. 
It's the amount of doing it at all. I, th- I think that you need to like look at the type of person that you are. And so I think you, yeah. Matt, and me are similar in that um, we will do something far longer than we should ever be doing it. We have like super control freak issues and mm-hmm. like we'll like grasp it, you know, like who's going to mow the lawn until the end of time? Like me, you know, and then finally. Who's going to do it right? Yeah. Yeah, because they're going to miss that. And so if you are, because I always feel like I make these decisions that I should have made a year ago, but I waited so long. Yeah. And so if you're the one that waits, then maybe you just need to jump into it now. But if you yeah. always find yourself like, this person maybe could help me, and you hire them, and you pay them all this money, but you don't have a clear like goal at hand, you should probably wait. There's this idea, and I was talking to Jason Zook about this, and he had this value of control. He loved, he loves control. And I sort of questioned him on the idea that like, you know, maybe that's not the greatest thing because I certainly had this idea that I needed to be control of everything because I'm the only one who cares about my business. Or at least I'm a the only, part of it. Of course. I'm the only one who's going to do it right. And I'm going to do it the fastest because I am talented and I started this business and I'm whatever. It's, it's the plight of a lot of business owners I used to have a business owner, a guy that I worked with. Uh, he was the owner of this pool company, and he did fucking everything. One week, for one week of an entire year, he was up in the, I've t- told the story before, he was up in the heating rafters of our 50,000 squ- 50, square foot warehouse fixing the fucking heater in the middle of the wintertime. He would come into the office like covered in like, I don't know, dirt or di- whatever he was covered in. It was like oil or I don't know. Debra's every day. And I'm like, dude, you could be doing so many more things that would make actual money for the business. But yet here you are in the friggin' warehouse for a week working on a heater. You could have hired somebody to do that and, and it would have been done and it would have been done right. Mm. But he didn't want to spend the money because I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right. I'm going to save the money. And it's like um, priorities need to be shifted. So this idea of control really needs to be reframed to collaborate because it's not about I don't think control is a good thing. I think collaboration is a good thing. When you control something, it's it's just you you suck to work for. I, I think I think you hit like the the main thread is the the problem in the beginning that I have had, and I know that you have had quite a lot of, is that you you can identify this thing. You're like, fine, mm-hmm. I shouldn't be the one doing X, Y, and Z, and. But, you know, you don't have a lot of money or you're just and so you're bringing in somebody who is maybe a tier below or at the tier of the job that you need done. Yeah. And what like the eventual situation is you have then all of these people that are doing really small amounts of work that are really maybe not that great people and say so mm-hmm. have to manage all these people know what's going on. And what changed, like literally changed my life, and it was forced by you, is to instead find one person who is a fucking rock star Mm. and can crush these smaller things, and then they can grow upwards with you. And so it's not this nominal BS task. What Mm -hmm. you need is somebody who is interested in what you're doing, maybe even wants to eventually do what you're doing, yeah, and teach them because they're going to soak it up. Yeah, it's. I think the word outsource too is is a bad choice of word 
because that it just indicates means, like low quality or someone yeah. who's just a mercenary. Right. It's just like you're you're a mechanical Turk. You're just you know you're just doing you're just a human robot. Hmm. And I think that as soon as you take that away, that idea away, and you're saying I want somebody, you know, I have I have a problem with social media. Like I don't I don't post on Facebook. I don't post on Pinterest for my business. Am I going to hire a person who just posts pins on you know Pinterest, or am I going to hire like a Pinterest somebody who wants to really be good at Pinterest and I can work with, and not just Pinterest, but maybe social media in general, like somebody who can do, and then maybe not even social media, but marketing in general. And I'm not saying that they can't, they're not, they have to be that from day one, they could start with just Pinterest, but you kind of like, the idea is like you hire somebody with this intention of sort of moving them up the ladder. And so at that point, I don't want to hire somebody overseas to do like a robotic task that, you know, either one, I could probably automate with an actual computer or decide I don't even need to do that in the first place, or maybe think about the bigger picture and then hire somebody locally or somebody, you know, that I can speak to on a regular basis and then work with them to building up this thing and collaborating with them. Because honestly, like I, I, I think I know everything when it comes to online business, but somebody might have a better idea than me and I should be open to accepting that. I I absolutely agree. And I think that at the end of the day, you do it well because you care. And so the only way you're going to get yourself out of it is you bring someone on that cares. Yeah. And you have to, and that's such a hard like action step, right? It's just bring somebody on and treat them as if they're your colleague and not your employee. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's, and I think if you read, you're gonna get the best out of a human if you, yeah, treat, if you treat them, them well, like a human. <laughs> like a human. Yeah, I, I I agree. And so, um, my recommendation, I guess, to start is to just find somebody. If you have an audience, email. Even if they're like, if look, I have a pool audience. I could have emailed my whole audience and be like, anybody want to write? Anybody want to join? Anybody? I need help with X. You know, start to just ask around, and um, somebody. Will definitely want to do it. You would be surprised. I be am surprised. constantly surprised. Yep. So thank you, Lauren, for your question. Really appreciate it. that's a very good one and something that um you know we still talk about a lot. Uh this next question comes from Tom Martin of channelfuel.co. Hey Tom. Uh you should check out his course, vidpro.com as well. That's where I learned all my YouTube optimization stuff. So he asks if you've ever had any experience with negative SEO and how did you overcome it? Have you? Very early. Yeah, same. Um, I subscribed to the original Pat Flynn, like spin the articles. I bought yep. like Article Wizard. Really unique Article Wizard. Unique Article Wizard, right? Yep. Created a million versions of a thing. Did he did he pitch that at one point? Yeah, yeah. He oh, I wow. learned it from him. I had this like thing printed out and it was on Ooh, the boy. side of my desk as I went through the steps. And I ramped up Listen My Matters in the first month or two, and I got $500 in income. And I was like, I am going to be a millionaire, a super millionaire, like yeah. in days. And then it all crashed because it was all bullshit. And I just happened to do it late in this, you know, tactic game. Yep. Uh, mine was the same story. I did Unique Article Wizard. I submitted a bunch of small articles to easing articles and other, mm. any article directory that would take me to build a bunch of backlinks to a bunch of shitty content was making good money and you know, good money for the time. It was like 2007 or eight. And 
uh, I, one of the, again, one of the um, animals updates from Penguin or Panda from Google, just like site came crashing down, no more traffic. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was a long time ago. And recently, no, I've not experienced anything because of the adaptation that I learned from that experience, which was to basically Corbett Barr's write epic shit mantra was like, write epic shit mixed with this idea of doing your research prior to writing that shit, right? Mm. So research to see if people even want that shit that you're writing, which is just doing like, you know, keyword research, whether it's with a free tool or using something like Ahrefs or whatever, just find just find the keywords and just people, okay, people are looking for what's the best conical fermenter for home brewing. Like people, are, okay, good. I should probably write that. Are people looking for, you know, what's the, how to install a caster on the bottom of a glycol chiller, which is something I'm holding in my hand right now because I'm having that problem. <laughs> no, people aren't. So maybe that article gets pushed down the line and you don't write it. So ever since I adopted that policy, I really haven't had an issue with SEO. And, and I think the thing with this negative or negative SEO implies that you've done some stuff, which you, which if you're experiencing, you probably have. Mm-hmm. And we both know people that have done extremely well using these like bullshit tactics. Yep. Uh, and you could even last for a really long time, make a ton of money. But in my mind, I feel it's like you have like an oil leak in your car and you have to go to work. So you're like, get underneath, you stick that duct tape right over <laughs> yeah. the hole and your like piece of gum. Yeah. But you know, you're going to have to fix it again later and it may right. even be worse. And right. so it's kind of like internalizing this thing that I'm never going to make half-assed decisions it's going to take me longer it's going to slow me down but i'm going to do it one time and that's it it's like the get rich quick mentality you're not like ever (laughs) you're not yeah no you're not so get rich slowly and that means like one thing at a time invest and you will make money over time and then similarly like i think you're you're absolutely right the analogy of the car oil leak which is funny coming from you since you don't own a car uh, <laughs> is 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 accurate because it really is like do it right the first time and do it ethical the first time and do it for the people the first time and then you won't have to worry about any of the things that happen on the backside. Like for instance, this is why I don't do backlink building. Like backlinks for me happen; they just come very naturally. It's harder and, and slower to do it the way you've done. It is. But it's you're built on a foundation of gold and like this is now what your business makes. You're not yep. worried that next month it's going to disappear because you get discovered. Right. So that's how I think we yes, we have experienced it. Yes, we've overcame it. And the way we did it was just by really, really white hat SEO tactics. You basically have to start, like if you had an article that gets punished, uh, you just got to do it over. Yeah. And do it like 10 times better. Yeah. And if your whole site is penalized, you probably did a ton of bad shit. So just start over. So speaking of penalized, uh, our next question comes from Sam. Do you get penalized on Google for having your content featured on multiple sites. I did not see that penalized was there. It's just, you know. Is it penalized or penalized? <laughs> tomato, tomato. All right, let's just say penalized because it's funnier. <laughs> Deal. So, uh, do you? Uh, I don't think so. 
content you, featured on multiple sites. So you're saying like people literally copy. So I discovered the other day that if you listenmoneymatters.com, but in the word money, put two E's. Somebody registered the domain, copied the exact HTML, CSS, and article, and I only discovered it because it was driving traffic to my site. Oh, I wow. think they didn't replace. And the thing is, if you look hard enough, I'm sure Swim University is duplicated all over the place, the content, sometimes the exact thing. Google knows which came first, which is the authority with all the links. Um, you can't fight it. Uh, and if I, I wouldn't give it away. You know, sure. Uh, okay, so I have thoughts on this. Um, I don't believe you get penalized anymore. Sorry, penalized. I don't believe you get penalized anymore. <laughs> um, it used to be a thing. Duplicate content used to be a thing, but we're not talking about duplicate content. Duplicate content is when you have duplicate content on your own website. Mm. That's where you get, you know, and that you're really just hurting yourself. But that's just like silly. Why would you ever have that? Um, you. Content syndication, Google has said that they're fine with um, as long as I believe there's a uh, conical link pointing back to the original article. But again, they know. Um, personally, I don't believe in doing this in content, content syndication. Uh, and there's a few reasons why. One, um, I own that fucking content. What if they outrank you? Yes, exactly. I don't want that. I'm sorry, Forbes will outrank you. Yeah, right. (laughs) So uh, no thank you. And uh, also, like, you can't fight it. You're absolutely right. I have had so many on Swim University, so many people. You literally have a lawyer on retainer. I literally have a lawyer on retainer (laughs) to send cease and desist letters to people who scrape multiple articles of mine and and, and mix it in with their own blog content. It's not like they're literally duplicating That shows how mad it makes you, that you literally have a lawyer on retainer, and I know you sent a ton of letters. (laughs) Yeah, and I've even called these companies, because they're like local pool companies who think that they don't understand how the internet works, and they're just copying and pasting, and they'll even put a link, sometimes, they'll put a link like this is it was originally published on Swim University. I'm like, you don't get to do that. I never gave you permission to do that. Therefore, this is not content syndication. This is content stealing. Mm. And so most of the time, though, I will call these companies and it's an impossible task to keep doing this. But every time like Michelle will do start doing research on an article and she'll be like, uh, hey, <laughs> I found this uh, this this website. And so I'll literally call them because I usually have like a business phone number and, I, and they they actually don't know. They're like super apologetic and they're like, oh, I, oh, I thought we could, you know, I'm like, so, and, and then my argument always is like, well, you can't do that on a book report in school. You can't just like <laughs> copy that. So why do you think you could do it on the internet? So, um, you know, it, it's impossible to regulate, but it's, it's okay because like, I've never been punished for it on any site that I've had. Mm. So I, not to say that my experience is like the end all be all, but like it's really not something I would be worried about. And I also would not offer it to other websites because of that exact thing. I used to offer, you know, content syndication on these, like they have these like small SaaS companies that were building these pool products and they had a really good site design, they had a good blog, and they're like, hey, can we syndicate your content? In my head, I'm like, well, if they start to get really big, I mean, that's a lot of backlinks on their site to mine, but then they're going to outrank 
my articles, which don't make me any money. And who the fuck is going to go to their site, read an article and go like, hmm, where was this originally published? Hmm, Swim University. Like, let's what go to that What if I read it again in their font? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's not something that happens. And so um, the, I guess the, the answer to the question is like, in our experience, you do not get penalized for having content featured on multiple sites, content syndication. And I've read from Google that they're f- completely fine with that. And that maybe the ultimate question is like, what is the benefit of doing it? Right. I would say, I mean, the benefit for a lot of people is exposure, mm. which, um, you know, write a better article and rank. Yeah. You'll have more exposure than you can possibly handle. The third article I wrote on List of My Matters, no one came. But five years later, after we were big, now a ton of people read it. But right. it's mine and it's only on my site. Exactly. Just patience. Yeah, patience. So thank you, Sam, for that question. And Tom, also for his question. I figured they were like kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Um, next up is Ryan, who says, I am very close to picking a niche niche and starting an affiliate website. Two questions for you. When looking for a niche niche, what are the most important things to look for? Keyword difficulty and traffic, perhaps? Mm-hmm. And two, how important is it on posts to have the author listed? Mm. I'll initially write most of the posts, but I'm hesitant to put my name out there on the interwebs. Better to just leave it with no author or use a pen name. Ooh, I, I really love all of these questions. I do too. So let's talk about the first one. When you're looking for a niche, what are the most important things to look for? I would say your ability to not be bored of it in five years, because if you're doing it because you think it's like some clever tactical thing, it, it's actually harder to build yeah. things and sustain it. Mm-hmm. You got to love know, what you do. You, you win by showing up every day. And so mm-hmm. if you can't show up every day to write about like hedgehogs, then don't. Right. But my in the beginning, mm. because obviously neither of us write for our own websites. But that was like years. Of course. Know? Yeah, so um, mine was, yeah, I didn't look at, when I, when I picked Swim University, um, I didn't look at keyword difficulty or traffic. I just looked at, oh, I'm, I'm doing this currently. I know I have all this information in my head. No other websites like this really exist that well, so I'm going to build one. Um, nowadays, I will do a two-step process where I will think, oh, I do homebrewing. Uh, I'm really interested in it. I'm reading all these books. Like I'm soaking up this knowledge. I love homebrewing so much. Then I'm like, is there potential? Mm. Which means I go into something like Ahrefs and I try to produce a hundred plus keywords with all with keywords that have searches over 1,000 per month and a keyword difficulty below 20, 30 to 20%. I even sort of, say look lower, you know? Yeah, of course. But like keyword difficulties of like zero to three. Like, can course, you start but, something and have people arrive in the first year? Yeah, but that's that's not. I mean, like people are going to get very discouraged mm. from starting a website with that intention. You know what I mean? It's like I think. Look, I've when I started Brew Cabin, there were uh, there and, and even some university there. Are, there are different topics that have like a pretty. They're pretty difficult, but I'm able to beat them now because my website's big. You know, or our articles are just better. You know, just because something has a high keyword difficulty doesn't actually mean their articles are better. It just means they have more backlinks to those articles at the top. Very true. So, and we, and we both agree that 
uh, or sort of share the opinion that Google has machine learning and they're starting to profile websites and they're starting to figure out what is good and bad, not just based on backlinks and on this old school voting system that everyone's like obsessed with. And eventually Ahrefs is going to have to change the way they do keyword difficulty ratings right right now i think it the it's a issue of correlation is not causation yeah yes all of the biggest sites have the most backlinks or, or often that's the case but was it a self-fulfilling prophecy did the backlinks yeah. come first in the rankings exactly you know? yeah you don't know if they built those backlinks or just because they're number one those backlinks came organically mm. you know over time and if you look at Swim university it's all organic right but all your, organic. your direct competitor may have been all bought and so it doesn't really tell the full story. Also, you can go into Ahrefs and look at Brew Cabin. I, I am, I have w- way less backlinks than my competitors, mm. and yet still outrank them. So, I mean, that's just a. Again, this is all, you know, what do they call that? Like a case in point. Like only my experience, but mm. it's an example of that. And so, I think it's just like it's a blend. Are you going to want to write about it? Do you want to own a business that talks about this sort of thing? And then two, is there opportunity? Are people basically searching for a lot of, are there, are there a lot of searches for that? These a hundred keywords within this niche. But, but I would be wary on like walking into like, you know, taking your, your butter knife and walking into like a, a gunfight or something where if I could tell you that there is a lot of money in getting people to open checking accounts. And if you wanted to create a website and you're like, you know what, the the term open checking account or free checking account or best checking accounts, there's a lot of money there, but you're never, ever going to get anyone to go to your site. And so you have to temper, you know, that could be the battle you fight on year six, you know, but you have to have stuff for year one, two, and three. Fair, fair. And I think that you're right. Like, don't bring a butter knife to a gunfight. That's funny. It's a new. It's a new thing. I'm trying it's to a new coin. Thing. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the idea that like, if you're gonna do this business and you're gonna go up against like big keyword difficulty keywords, like you better like write your fucking balls off. Yeah. You know what I mean, or whatever off. I don't know. I just think that that's, ovaries. Sure. Whatever. So I don't know how they fall off, but. <laughs> it's just you better you better bring your A game when if you're going to be stepping up to the plate against the, in the major leagues. Uh, mm-hmm. that, yeah, there you go. I think there was a car analogy, a baseball <laughs> analogy. That was like the most American yeah. sentence. Okay, so what about the author thing? I, that depends on your niche niche. I agree. Um, so for personal finance, it's personal finance and health. They released an update where the, the medic author update. and. Yeah, where, where the author's credentials and experience matter. So this mm-hmm. way, like, they, they didn't want people recommending how to cure diarrhea, and they're actually, like, HVAC repairmen, you know? Right, or they, they yeah, have no just experience. a freelance writer from, yeah, like, San Antonio or... Because uh, then, like, thousands of people will go and try and cure, you know, uh, their intestinal issues with, like, Freon, you know? Like, the, how, how do they pr- protect against that? Like, they're using names to wait. And so I think... For credibility purposes. Right. And I think broadly speaking, it'll probably be something that matters. And like, why, why would you be afraid putting your name out on it? If, I will tell you why. Don't do shitty work then. <laughs> no, I, I, when I first started some university, my pen name was Matt Stevens, which is my 
you know, that was my pen name. The reason was because I worked at a pool company and I thought if they ever find this, they're going to know it's me and I might get fired. And then one day I was like, wait a minute, I'm not even doing anything, you know, conflict of interest wise. Like, plus I want people to know it's me. I put my name out there and then I got um, asked to go on the Martha Stewart radio show because they knew who I was. They knew who Mm. to contact. I went on the Martha Stewart radio show four times to talk about pool care. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I got fired. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, um, yeah, that's, I can see why not wanting to put your actual name out there. And if you're creating a site that isn't, um, you know, in, in my case, like with, with home brewing and with pool care and with anything else that's like in coffee, even like you don't like, how would you know as a person that the person who you're reading is an expert in anything unless they're already a big name versus, um, somebody who you're reading an article about personal finance or you're reading an article about health and they have the word doctor in front of their name or the word, you know, financial advisor at the end of their name or, uh, MBA or, uh, CPA or something like that. They have, there's these, I think that's when it really matters. And so currently on swim university, we don't, and, and, and brew cabin, although brew cabin might change, I might want to be more known in the homebrewing space. Um, because it just, it, it tends to like in the homebrewing space, there are like bloggers that people know, Mm. you know, and they, they lend credibility to the articles. We're in pool care. No one knows that there's not like some top guy. That's like, I'm the pool guy. And everyone knows it's a Dave Ramsey, the pool guy. It's like, who's uh, this guy? Tell me to put chlorine in my water. I only listen to John Bobbitt who talks all about (laughs) pool care. He knows the stuff. So it's like, that's what, that's what John Bobbitt did before. That's what he does. Yeah. After that whole incident in the nineties. Yeah. He went into pool care and he's a big name. How inspirational. How inspirational is right. So, (laughs) so, uh, he, yeah. So basically like in, in the pool space, we just are an authority website where we talk in the word we, as opposed Mm -hmm. to the word I. And so like we as a company recommend X. Also, we are um, like we are a team of researchers and we, we sort of present ourselves that way in like because we are a team of researchers. So yes, a lot of the information comes from me, but we also do research with multiple people to be like, OK, we've we've sat down. We've decided like this is the best way to do X. And so therefore do this, you know, so it's like an entire company telling you what to do. And we're unbiased. I'm just thinking how unfortunate for you to create, like spend your life creating these amazing things that could really help people and you don't even get credit for your own work. Yeah. And it's like, you know, two years later, it's really working. You think you're going to quit your job. Now you have to make a name for yourself. Right. Do you put your name on the articles? Yeah. And everyone who creates their things, they put their name. Yep. And, uh, Hey, in the beginning, I thought about that, but then I was like, who am I? No one works looking for shit and finding me. Yes, but you at this point, because of the podcast, are an authority. Like people can look up your name and be like, oh, I want to take advice from Andrew. Whereas, like, if you have a team of freelance writers who write for a bunch of other things, like you may not want to put their name on it because, you know, they're they're written like 17 other places, all in different topics, and it becomes like less credible. Mm. You know what I mean? 
So mm-hmm. that's why at Swim University, like I am not writing the articles, but yet I'm the only one in our company who's been in the industry for 20 years and is in all the videos, but I didn't write those articles. And so like, we don't, I will say that on the name of the author on every article on Listen to My Matters, there is a link to their author page. And I can tell you that no one clicks the link. So, so no one even cares enough to know no. who no. I am. Yeah, I would say, depending on the niche, um, if it's if it's not an authoritarian niche where like the credibility of someone's name is important, like health and personal finance, then you can leave it out. Um, and pen name or not, I mean, just remember that if you use a pen name and you're trying to be credible as a person in this field and you want to be known and you're not just want to hide behind the scenes. Like I think if, as soon as you use a pen name, you're, you might as well just not put an author name on there because yeah. you're already like saying, well, I don't want to be known. seems like you're hiding. Right. It's like, I don't want to be known as the expert basket, basket weaver in the basket weaver community. And so I'm just going to use a fake name. But like, yet everyone's going to look up to this fake name and realize that it's fake. And then one day you're going to change your name. Like, actually, no, my name is <laughs> John Bobbitt. I'm sorry. And then everyone's <laughs> like, wow, so you're the pool guy. Great. So I just think, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Besides, unless you were in medical, personal finance or anything that lends credibility to people's safety. <laughs> I was just thinking, wow, John Bobbitt, you're the pool guy. Yeah. How are you penalized? <laughs> <laughs> Call back. Nailed Woo! it. All right. Thank you, Ryan, for that question. Appreciate it. This last question, question number five, comes from Thor Sandum. It's an awesome fucking name. Uh, so how do you trust yourself as opposed to always seeking approval from others? For example, looking to books, courses, gurus, influencers, articles, etc. Ah, love this question. Then take so- it. I yeah I have this uh, thing written on my whiteboard directly behind me. It says, "How do I know I'm right?" Okay, because I am often wrong, and so I love I read things online. I have my people that I talk to. Matt, being you, being mm-hmm. one of the critical people, Laura, another, and I I have my ideas, and I basically filter it through the brains of the people that I trust, and I know that. There are things that Laura is good at and the things that she is not. And there are things that Matt is good at and the thing that Matt's not. And so I try and ask the people that I think are good at those things, their opinion. And, you know, maybe I'll ask you, Matt, something that I know you're not good at, but I just want to hear what you think. But if Laura's good at it, I would weigh hers heavier. And so this way you let your people kind of triangulate the answer filtered through your brain. Like you make the ultimate decision. I love that. I think i do the same thing i think that's why we get along probably well i i want to be proven wrong yeah exactly i i praise me i'm not listening criticize me you have my attention yeah that where did you hear that that's a i I just made it up i don't know did you yeah i don't know dude that's 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 baller yeah i love that because you're right i feel the same way and i'm gonna trust you more because you criticize me Exactly. Like, and yeah. the thing is, like, also, you can critici- I don't need a bunch of fucking emails saying I'm an asshole. <laughs> That's not criticism. It's like if everyone's like, Andrew, you're getting fat. I'd be like, yeah, but yeah. like, screw you, go away. Yeah, but if you're yeah. like, hey, you know, this should be like this, and I'm like, you know, I think they have a point. Right. Like, let's go deeper. 
Well, it's the same with like Money Lab. I am, I am, it's, it's all hypotheses, right? Hypotheses. Hypotheses, thank you. I want to be, I want it to be proven wrong. That's what a scientist, I mean, that's not what a scientist does, but a scientist has a hypothesis and then does every single test to see if it's true or not true. And they accept the fact when it's not true. Where it's it's like, like Edison with the light bulbs. I think he said he had like 20,000 attempts to make the light yeah. bulb. He said that he just found 20,000 ways to not do it. Right, exactly. And I think um, I, before I, and, and this is, I think early on, um, this is something I think, do you, all right, do you think you were more bullheaded in the beginning? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Where you thought you were just right about everything? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and it's this like thing where it's like, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. It's also when you look at everything as an experiment, which is kind of the hidden mantra of Money Lab and has been my mantra in business for uh, now many, many years after I heard it, which was, you know, if you can look at something and go and not not to be pessimistic about it, like, oh, I bet this won't work, but instead look at it like, let's try it. Mm. And that's like the, the phrase, like, let's just try it, you know, now before we try anything, and you, I do the same thing, like I'll I'll get an idea, right? And this is the problem with looking at books and courses and gurus and influencers and all that stuff. If you flood your mind with all of these like things, you're gonna have so many fucking ideas that it's gonna feel impossible to pick to pick the winner, right? To pick the the right thing to do at the time, or what you'll, what'll happen is we'll get so overwhelmed with all of the things that you know you could be doing to make money and all these opportunities will just, cause they just, it's just ideas that are just being like pelted at you constantly. And so I've, one of the best things I did this year is stop reading business books. Mm. Now I understand that I'm in a position where I am running a business and it does pay for my living. And so therefore like whatever, but I know a lot of people still read business books even at that level. And the reason I stopped was because a biz, if I pick up a business book, it's going to give me an idea and it's going to send me down a path of something. Is and it the I, most important next thing? Right. The, the most important next thing in business is making money and, and making it as easy on you and your employees as possible to do it. And I, the only reason I said that is because there's no other reason to have a business unless it's making money. Right. But then it's that, a hobby. That's, as then per it's a the hobby. IRS. Yep. And I just want to say on the seeking approval from others and, and mm -hmm. trusting yourself, um, you know, like you're, you're going to start this thing and you're going to like publish your first thing in the world. And you're like, I wonder if it sucks. Uh, it does. It's, it's going to be really <laughs> bad. It definitely yeah. sucks. We don't even right. have to read it. Right. Um, and it, but as you kind of do this, you care less and less. The first email where someone tells you, Hey, Andrew, that was really bad. That, that is like the most hurtful email you'll ever get. Now, like, I don't know, we, we get tons of emails that say that we suck all the time and it doesn't matter. And right. the, like, if you listen to our first podcast together, timid versus uh, now, yeah. and you, yeah. you just grow, but you have to give yourself the chance to be the fool. Yes. And the, the other thing too, like to, to kind of build on that is it's not about trusting yourself that you're going to be right or not. It's just that like you're not you're comparing yourselves to those gurus and those course creators and those influencers and they are at a different position than you are right now. It's not they've, a fair comparison. No, they've they've 
had their first shitty video, their first shitty article. They did that and they, but they kept going. And now you're seeing them at their, you know, five year mark. And you're like, well, they're right. I'm wrong. No, they're just five years ahead of you mm. in their thing. They're not, they're not right or wrong. They made a billion mistakes along the way. And so will you, you know? And they, the only and they, way that we could say what we say, the only way we know is because we have wasted thousands of hours and dollars and yeah. got gray hair making yep. the wrong things. And the thing is, is like, I, be, I truly believe that there's no person in this world, like a, anyone can be smarter than you and you can be smarter than anyone. Like we're all on an equal playing field when it comes mm-hmm. to like brain power. You know, it's just depending on how you use it and whether you're willing to like stick it out and try. Refine it. Refine it. Yeah. Just work on it. That's it. Yeah. That's all the questions. What do you think? Do we have anything else? You just got to show up every day. <sighs> yeah. That's it. That's really the secret to life. I did an interview. Well, I think I did an interview with somebody and I was like, oh, it was with Thomas on the mm-hmm. show where we're talking about, um, you know, Iron and Wine, the artist. No. He's like mm-hmm. a folk artist. He like clocks in every morning. And his studio and writes songs and most of them go probably nowhere and some of them hit and then he makes albums consistently. But he like go he clocks into work. It's like, how do you do that? It's like you're yeah. you're like a songwriter. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, songs don't, you know, not songs are just not gonna like come out of thin air. You gotta fucking work at it. There's this artist for the New Yorker, and I think his Instagram handle is like abstract Sunday or something like that. And uh, he's done like illustrations. Yeah, he has a, he's on Netflix. He's at that Netflix show. Abstract. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I haven't seen the Netflix show, but I, I read a thing and I followed him. And he has such the belief. He's done so many iconic covers. And he like his whole thing is I just need to draw X amount of things a day. Doesn't even matter. Yeah, it can and be then shitty. In doing that, like gold comes out and he's become yeah. good at like someone's like, I need this. And you can just crank it out because his whole like connecting of idea to drawing is now quick. And, right. Like, you know. Well, and, and it makes you prolific and it's the equal odds rule, right? Mm-hmm. Where if you, if you keep putting, if you throw enough shit against the wall, something's bound to stick. And if you keep throwing enough, enough shit against the wall every single day, multiple things will probably stick. It's just the law of like equal odds. It's like the first hundred things you're going to create are going to suck. And the hundred and one thing is going to be amazing, but yep. there's no way to get to the hundred and one thing until you've created the first 100. It's just yep. impossible. Yep. So, I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. So that, that hope that answers all your questions. Thank you to Thor, Ryan, Sam, Tom, and Lauren for those questions. We love doing this episode. So keep those questions coming. And I want to thank, Elliot Witchstruck for sending in my oh, middle name. I thought it was me for a second you were thanking. My heart jumped. <laughs> no, no. I want to thank Elliot for sending in my new middle name. Always ask for middle names. How meta. Mm. And I want to thank everyone who sent in a question, of course, and keep them coming. We'll be doing more of these shows in the future as we do. And of course, I got to thank Andrew. Uh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> for joining me on this episode of Money Lab. Thank you very much, my Ooh. friend. Thank Head you. over to Money Lab to read more about our business experiments and challenges. And please email me, Matt, at moneylab.co with topics you'd like us to discuss on this show. And feel free to send me a question and a new middle name suggestion. The more emails I get, the better. I love the emails. And yes, people ask this all the time. I fucking read 
every email. I'm saying that today. <laughs> when this goes live, you will not be doing that anymore. No, but though. everyone seems to still think I don't read the emails, and I get all the time. I I've it. had I have people send it to my homebrewing email account. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to see it. I don't read that one. <laughs> I read I, Matt at MoneyLab.co. I love when people send emails and like, hey, do you do you even read a reply to these? And I'm like, some of them. This is one of them. Too bad it didn't have a question. Right. And and here's the thing. <laughs> Just so you know, for now, Matt at MoneyLab.co just redirects to my actual personal email account, which is why I read them. So I get that shit. I'm the one answering. There's no friggin' VA. Just telling, letting you know. And if you like this show, and I hope that you do, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Player FM, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. And when you do, please leave a review. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Please tell your friends about this show. (laughs) 